Hello and welcome to GKAD. This episode we are reviewing Ayaka's cover album, Yuan Club First Grade. I am Jay Lee. You can call me Zero. Shit the melody. La 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 la. So I think we're just gonna get right into the review. So zero, what did you think about first class or grade? First grade. What did you think? Ah, <clears throat> oh, GK. Okay. <laughs> just like old times, right? Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of first grade? I thought, for the most part, it was really, really quite good, and I thought she did the songs a lot of justice. Um, the fact that her vocals are so good really helps um, because she Mm -hmm. definitely covered songs with a melodic focus Um, Tayuta in particular I think she actually did a better job of bringing out the melody than the original Radwimps version did I feel like the original I feel like maybe she heard something in the melody she heard a power in the melody and went you know what I need to bring that out more because I don't think this song is quite there yet which is the best thing when you're doing a cover that is what you need to look for you need to look for a song that has like untapped potential you know the original Radman's version was good but I I felt like the the melody and the feeling in the melody was sort of hiding in there somewhere and I feel like she really brought it out you know Uh, I actually thought that Tayuta was the most surprising track to see on the on the track list. That's the thing, me too. And I was just kind of like, that's going to be kind of weird because it's a Radwimp mm-hmm. song. It's like, yeah, it's a ballad, but, you know, is it really an Ayaka ballad? And you know what? She made it an Ayaka ballad. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, other songs were um, surprises in the context of the album, like as I was listening to the album, like Moving On Without You. Like, that seemed... Utada Hikaru seems like a pretty good thing for Ayaka to cover, but you would expect her to do, like, First Love or something. So doing something like Moving On Without You was a pretty pleasant surprise, and her execution of it was very different. Um, But at the same time, it didn't sound out of place on the album. She somehow did this very funky, sort of, like, there's a little bit of uh, auto-tune at the beginning of it, and she managed to make it fit in the flow of the album really, really well. You know? Uh, You know, actually, that was... Probably my least favorite song on the album. Really? Because Ar- yeah. Arita Kaido was my least favorite. It was actually between these two, those yeah. two. But yeah. um, I don't know. There was something about it. It, 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 it kind of dragged a little bit. Like I, I don't remember how long the first song is because it just kind of goes. It <laughs> like starts and it goes. Yeah. But this one I was kind of like, wow, five minutes. That's. It's a pretty long song, and I didn't like the uh, auto-tune, and it almost made me like the original song less. So I think if your cover makes the original song worse... You probably messed up. Yeah, it's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. And <laughs> in this case, it was a really bad thing. And especially because, like, Ayaka covering Utada Hikaru, that, that sounds like it would be fucking awesome, and I'm just going to leave you with this one word of what could have been passion mm, yeah oh my god now I'm depressed because that doesn't happen um, if she could have covered that song Jesus Christ shut everything you know down. what you know what but the arrangement of the original version of passion is so such a big part of why it's so awesome so I don't 
think I would have been too happy with it. I don't know, especially if it fit, if it fit in with the sound of this album overall, I don't think I would have been okay with that. That would have upset me, probably. Um, but anyway, I, I thought her version was actually pretty good. It's, in my opinion, not as, holy crap, this is amazing. Um, it sort of does blend into the mix, despite its differences. And I will agree that it does drag a little bit, because the instrumentation is a bit sparse, and it doesn't build up enough. Like, it feels like in the chorus, when there should be a whole lot more instrumentation, it feels like she dropped off some instruments to make room for others, and it just ends up sounding sort of homogenous the whole way through, which does make it drag a little bit. But I did think it was an interesting listen. Um, it's it's one of those things, you know, like a movie you've seen once, and okay, I'm done now. You know, I don't think I necessarily ever want to put it on repeat, but it wasn't unpleasant, you know? Mm-hmm. But for me... Arui de Cairo was the real like snoozer. Um, <laughs> yeah, she slowed down the tempo, which you just don't do with a song that sounds like that. The original version is so you know happy and energetic, and it's just you know fun. And Kazuyoshi Saito did such a great job on the original song, and she just really phoned that in. She just kind of went, "Well, we got to put an eleventh tr- song on there, or people feel ripped off or something." Um, it feels like it was just sort of stuck on. You know, and, and there were, like, moments where it was really close to being good. Mm-hmm. And then it would not be good, and it would make it worse. Yeah, because like then... comparison. Yeah, like, there are parts where the instrumentation seems like it's gonna build up and go somewhere, and then it doesn't. And you're like, oh, god damn it. Speaking of disappoint- disappointments and oh, god damn it. Robinson. No! <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, god. That was disappointing because that studio live version was so nice. The the studio live version, it was like it was just perfectly stripped down to the bare necessities. It was so beautiful, and Ayaka's voice was so just genuine and natural. And it was just such an organic song. But yeah, they they kept like. It sounds really dated on the album, which, you know, that's probably the first sin of a cover album, is that a song should not sound dated, it should sound new. It should sound updated. And, yeah, and that was not the case, whereas the Studio Live version blew my mind away, and I was so pumped for this album because of that one YouTube video. Right. And then I, I heard the album, and I was like, oh, what did they do to you? I know. <laughs> And it was, like you, I was so looking forward to it, but it ended up very, you know, watered down sounding, because it's like, they were like, hey, you know what? This song has a great melody. You know what we should do? Cover it up with more guitars and background vocals. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome idea. And obviously it is not an awesome idea. And it just, oh God, there was a total failure here to convey the song's charm. The melody of the original is so good, and it just got buried under all these layers of whoosh sounds. It was upsetting. But just unnecessary kind of hokey-ness. Yes. Definitely Mm. hokey. Definitely sounded hokey. So, um, Sora to Kimi no Aidani. What a delight! It's like I came for the to the album for Robinson, but I totally stayed for Sorato Kimi no Aidani. I agree. I think I was telling you before that this sort of track is the reason why I got into J-pop is because I wanted to hear stuff that sounded like this. Because 
Miyuki Nakajima's melodies are so good. They're so good. I mean, there's hardly anything skippable on her entire discography. Um, and she's one of the reasons I decided to try out Japanese music because I was into Fei Wong back in the day and she had a bunch of Miyuki Nakajima covers. And I was like, you know what? The melodies on these songs are consistently very good. So I checked her out. I downloaded her song, her song Rouge and her song Akujo. And I've been a fan of her since. So her doing this song on here with her vocals, Ayaka's vocals are so great on top of a song like this. And the instrumentation and the production is so slick and so polished and so beautiful. And it's just like, yes, yes, this is what I want. <laughs> I know. It's like it did the ex- it did exactly what I wanted the CD version of Robinson to do, where it just accentuated everything great about the song. Because Nakajima Miyuki is a fantastic songwriter, and Ayaka is such a powerful vocalist that to put those two together, it's just when like that is like magic yep. on a disc. Absolutely. So. I think Yasashi San was kind of a weird first track because it doesn't at all prepare you for how the rest of the album sounds. <laughs> I think you know it. The more I listen to it, the more I'm like this. I think the dorkiness to the song might be somewhat intentional with the theme of like, you know, they're like nerdy grade schooler club. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, you know, a theme isn't going to make me want to listen to the song a bunch. Like it's not a terrible song. It's just kind of like, okay. Yeah. No, I feel like it, it's kind of duping you into, into feeling like the album is going to sound like the cover looks and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is charming and kind of cute, but at the same time, you're kind of like, paddle faster, I hear banjos, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's nice, but like, you know, if I want a song of this genre, I'm probably not going to go to Japan for it. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree with you there. Uh, I actually thought, you know, I- I'm so sick of certain songs being covered. Like, lately, Hitomi no Otojite is just huge. It's, it's like, like everywhere like every all of a album. Yeah, it sort of became... It got to that point where it's old enough now that it can be a classic that everybody covers all the goddamn time. Yeah. But, man, and I didn't want to like it. But, goddamn, if she doesn't nail that fucking song with her voice. Oh, no kidding. I'm not nuts about the original. But I'll be honest with you, this cover has made me realize that that's more to do with Ken Hirai's voice than anything. I, I just don't like his voice that much. I, I like mm-hmm. um, Okina Furudoke. That's kind of it, you know, as far as the songs of his yeah. that actually get to me in any way. But then again, that's, you know, a Western song, so it's got a melody that I'm more nostalgic for. Like, folk melodies to me, that's what they sound like, so I get nostalgic for elementary school learning songs like that, and blah, blah, blah. Um, so Hitomi Otojite was never really a big classic song for me personally but mm-hmm. wow I really like it now <laughs> you know right? like, I do it, she, this is what a cover should do this and Tayuta are, are just as cover, as cover songs they are doing their job mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing is that you know I love Hidai Ken and I love the original but and I have like kind of a guilty conscience for this but I'm pretty sure I prefer this val- this version of the song I love you, Jamie. And, <laughs> and that's and it's the thing about this album is that kind of I had my I had my expectations maybe a little too high because of that studio live. And I felt like ultimately I was disappointed. 
but there are some amazing songs on this album. Some truly fantastic covers. Mm-hmm. I like Tayuta, Hitomi Otojite, and Soreto Kimi no Aidani. And even La La Love Song, which, you know, you can't really ruin La La Love Song. And What she always- managed to do with La La Love Song is that she kept the disco rhythm without it sounding too out of date or sounding too much like she's doing a Superfly impersonation. <laughs> which she she really did do her own thing with that sort of funky sound, which I think she that's hard. That's really hard, you know. And I pff, much respect for that one. That whoever did the production on that one actually made all the right choices. I think. Mm-hmm. And I I actually do think that Tashkana Koto was the perfect song to close out the album because it just it's just a really good closer. It draws everything to a close. It's just a very pretty song, and I think it's a. It's not the best cover on the album, but it's a solid one. Yeah, so. it's it is that's pretty much exactly my feelings on it. I I think I wanted more out of that one because Chris Hart's cover is so good. Have you heard it? Mm-mm. Good lord. Just oh my god. His he's this singer who got famous on uh, an NTV karaoke show where they brought in singers from around the world last mm-hmm. year and he released his cover album like 2 months ago, 3 months ago and it's Oh my god, his cover of Tashikano Koto is so good. It's so huh. good. You would love it. I'm not even kidding. You'd probably love the whole album, but... Um, his version of Hitomi Otojite, however, is not as good as Ayaka's, so... <laughs> well, Ayaka has raised the bar above Hirai Ken, yeah. so that's kind of... Yeah. So yeah, I, I would say that my closing thoughts are... You know, it's better than Benny's albums... So uh, that's not well, hard. Yeah, but Actually, that's let me think of that through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... It's an Ayaka cover album. There we go. Yes. Oh, and I will say her cover of Seesaw Game is also totally fantastic. And I love how versatile good. her voice is. That's one where I go, oh my god, I forgot that her voice can do all these things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of GKAD. If you like what you hear, check out our other episodes at jpopjerog.com. And subscribe to us on iTunes. Jpopjerk.com. Shut up. Great job. Jpop jerk. Jpopjerk.com. There. That that was lovely, actually. It sounded very calming when you said calm. It's dot com. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs>